Hello, and welcome to another edition of the Kaiju Transmissions podcast. And I am your host. My name is Kyle Bird, and with me I have my co-host. Matt Parmley. Uh, and today we have a special guest um, uh, to talk about his upcoming film. Um, we have... Uh, Mr. Brandon Smith, who uh, will be, uh, who is now, I guess, in the middle of a Kickstarter campaign for The Legend of the Bear Lake Monster. So we're going to talk to him about uh, just what uh, that's all about and what a Bear Lake Monster is and all that stuff. So, Brandon, thank you for joining us. Hey, thank you. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, it's our pleasure. Um, well, I guess for everyone out uh, in podcast land, uh, tell us a little bit about yourself. You know, uh, how long have you been making films and, you know, what, um, uh, just where you're from and all that good stuff. Absolutely. So I, I'm from Salt Lake City and uh, I've been um, in the film industry for almost 20 years now. And worked on a lot of stuff that you guys have probably never heard of and will never see. There's <laughs> a lot of like little stuff. Um, but uh, yeah, I've been mainly com- coming from the documentary side almost just because a lot of times when, you know, you don't have the budget for what you want to do, you have to kind of just do what you can. And so I've made a couple of documentaries and um, have finally uh, you know, I've been, I've been inspired by doing a film about the Bear Lake monster for five or six years now and finally getting it off the ground. But yeah, I'm a Utah native and born and raised and all that good stuff. So you mentioned stuff that uh, no one has ever seen or heard about, but could you maybe tell us some of your past projects? And I know sure. you mentioned documentaries, but I, I would be curious just to kind of learn more about those. Yeah. So, um, one of the bigger documentaries as far as around here goes is it's actually um, it's called the upbeat and it's about ska music in Utah. So I don't know how, how familiar you guys are with, with ska, but it's a style of music that really it's had different waves, but it um, really hit big in Utah in the early nineties and kind of put Utah on the map as far as that's concerned. And, uh, and when I made the film, this was, you know, a good 10, 15 years later. And I was in a band and basically the scene, there was no, people weren't going to shows and it, I was kind of juxtaposing the, you know, how big, it, how big it used to be and now how, how small it is now and that kind of thing. So, I can't. You, uh, is, is is the is there still a ska scene out there? I I remember in the '90s, ska was like everywhere. Like every, like every, it, it seemed like every comedy movie you saw there was like a ska <laughs> soundtrack oh, yeah. or something. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> you know, today there's, it's a lot. All the people, at least, I mean, I play. I'm in a band today as well, um, playing here in Utah and. You know, there's not really much of a scene. It's just, a, it's really just kind of a, a click or a, 
you know, a small group of the people who just really enjoy playing the music. And so we get, we play shows and usually those shows are just playing for the other bands or, you know, that kind of thing. And then some touring bands will come through who were big in the nineties or even before and, uh, not so big anymore. So they're playing these smaller venues and then we're able to open up for them. So it, for us, it's really fun who are kind of in it more for the style than necessarily the fan base. Well, dude, you got to tell us uh, your band name and what you, what you play. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So we're the Makeways, and, and uh, sorry, this is off topic, but yeah, like I, I play the organ in, and uh, Salt Lake city, the Makeways. You can find us on Spotify. That's pretty sweet. So it's fun. And it's, you know, like a lot of people, the ska they've heard from the 90s, that's that's kind of a modification of what it really is, where it came from Jamaica in the late 50s. And it actually uh, predates reggae. That's where reggae came from. It's kind of a slower version of ska. And so a lot of us true diehard fans play kind of that older style, um, which is a little bit different than what people actually think of when they hear the word ska. I could go on for a while. (laughs) (laughs) So um, let's pivot back to the movies. What, what made you want to become a filmmaker in the first place? You know, it's just the, just those classic movies. I grew up and I loved, you know, Indiana Jones and the Goonies and action adventure. I love action adventure and, or, you know, like, um, Tremors was a huge film for me. Yeah. Tremors rules. Yeah. And so that just mysterious creature, you know, kind of a thing. So it's really just about the storytelling and, and I mean, there's so many just great films and, um, I, I kind of tell people that my films kind of the Goonies meets Jaws and those are just two classic films. It's. I'm I'm a little bit hesitant to say that because those are both like have Spielberg attached to them and I'm not in by any means Spielberg, but, (laughs) um, you know, just films that take you out of your daily life and let you, um, let you daydream and, and put you into a completely different world. So those are the kind of films that have always inspired me and that really led to me wanting to just tell my own stories What's your what's your favorite movie? Um, my like favorite movie. Go ahead. Yeah, my favorite movie is actually Edward Scissorhands. That's a good one. Yeah, I love Edward Scissorhands. Yeah, just you know that early Tim Burton style. I don't know, just just overall. I mean, I there's so many movies I like for for different reasons, but as a whole, just as a great story, you know, like. It's it's just a really good film, and there are plenty of other great films out there as well. But that one's my favorite. Um. So how do you, how do you handle the leap from making documentaries to making you know a narrative feature? So I documentaries are mainly kind of what I've done as. So there's okay. So working in the industry, especially outside of Hollywood, there's a. Uh, there's what you want to do and then kind of what you have to do. And so the documentaries have always been more kind of passion projects, but I actually make a living as an editor. Um, and so I've had a chance to work on a lot of 
different feature films out here in Utah and really cut my teeth. And I, and I really do enjoy editing as well, but, and that's what, but that's what pays the bills basically. And so like, I've still had a foot in feature filmmaking in that aspect. Um, and so jump, yeah, it does sound a little strange to jump from documentaries to a feature, but the, the historicalness that we'll get into with the bear Lake monster plays into that as well. Um, in my film and, uh, but whether you're making a documentary or a narrative feature, you know, you still have to stick to those, uh, storytelling principles. And so for me, it's not, it's, it might sound like a big leap on paper, but it's really not that big. And I, and I've also made, you know, a handful of short narrative films and that kind of stuff, those kind of things as well, which kind of help in that regard. How do you transition from being just a fan of film in general to being an actual filmmaker and creator? Like what's, and, and, and adjacent to that, when you're watching films, do you find yourself critiquing things more than just like enjoying films? Or do you find yourself just being able to t- sit back and take it in? I'm always kind of curious to, to hear that part from a director. Oh, sure. Well, um, to answer the first part, definitely, um, this day and age, you know, with cell phone cameras and um, access to editing equipment, I mean, anybody can tell stories and do it. And I think really it just takes action for like a young, someone getting into the industry. Um, it's just telling stories like, you know, you don't have to have a lot of, of money starting out. You just have to have that passion and drive. And you can take, you know, take your iPhone and or whatever phone you have and shoot, you know, cut it in iMovie and and put something together. And that, and that's the great part about, you know, I didn't even I didn't even have that growing up. And so the kids these days, I'm a little bit jealous that they can get that head start. <laughs> um, and then your other question, every once in a while, I will like think about. Um, technique and that kind of thing especially editing but it's only really if it's really bad um when i'm watching a film and it's really good i'm pretty good at just um quieting the technical side of things and just enjoying it um it's only when it gets really bad when it's like oh what you know like where you can kind of see where corners were cut that it takes you out of the story Um, you know, I mean, when it's really good, you can appreciate it, but for the most part, it's for me, at least it's not that hard to, to quiet that down and just watch and and just enjoy a good film, you know, a Peter Jackson film or something and just get sucked into that world. As an editor, is there anything like, uh, either in modern movies or just in movies in general that just like drives you crazy that you notice a lot? Um, not, not necessarily. I, I mean, there's more that I really have liked, Mm -hmm. um, more that I've kind of been inspired by. Um, I'm trying to think of a good example, like, um, the Sherlock Holmes series with Benedict Cumberbatch, like those are cut so well and I'm almost envious because I'm like, I don't know if I could even cut something that well. So, um, 
a lot of the quicker editing style or, or, you know, like the, um, the born series, which are really well cut as well. I, I really like that kind of stuff. Um, but on the other end, I don't know. That's a good question. Okay. Um, well, let's. I want to get into the actual Bear Lake monster just because. Yeah, let's do it. Well, as, as someone who, like, uh, I don't know, on and off would, like, just for fun kind of dabble into the world of cryptozoology, I never uh-huh. even heard of the, the Bear Lake monster. So, you know, what is. I, and I know on your uh, description it says that that's one that goes back before the Loch Ness monster. So, just like, what is the actual bear lake monster and the, in the history there. Yeah, definitely. Um, the history is really what's, what kind of sucked me in because, you know, when I first started, a lot of people from this area go to bear lake to recreate and, and, uh, you know, f- have a lot of family traditions and go up there. And cause it's from where I'm at, it's, it's about a two hour drive, but it, the lake straddles, it, Utah and Idaho, it's like, it's roughly 50% in each state. Um, but it's just one. So when I started going up there, I heard about this legend and, and kind of my first instinct was like, Oh, like, so there it's a copycat from the Loch Ness monster. Um, and then when you look into the actual history of it, it actually, yeah, predates, um, some of those first sightings of the Loch Ness monster and so the i to me the history is super fascinating because um when so i'm from utah and when the mormon settlers went into that area they uh they had to make a land agreement with the native americans which was the shoshone tribe um and the shoshones were the ones who said okay you know you can take this area we'll stay over here Oh, and by the way, stay away from, I think, what do they call it? This devil fish is what they called it. And so they they would share these, like, Native American tales of this creature that lived in the water that would even come out of the water and steal their, their cattle or their bison or even their children and suck them into the lake. And so to me, that's just super fascinating that it came that it kind of was born out of these, you know, Native American tales. And and you who even I mean, we're talking the mid eighteen hundreds. And from there, I don't even I mean, it's not even documented how further I mean, it could have been going back for even more generations within these tribes, but that's not documented. So we don't really know. The first kind of official documentation is when the these Mormon settlers started reporting the tales in the local newspaper. And so that's kind of as far back as we as it can be traced. And then if you if you look up the history of the Loch Ness monster, you know, some of those weren't sightings weren't until like the eighteen seventies or eighties. But even then they weren't documented until the early nineteen hundreds. Um, so it's not like a copycat monster you know my first thought was oh so the scottish immigrants because a lot of scottish immigrants came to work on the transcontinental railway and you know they probably just you know uh, 
let's make this place like home, you know, let's make this creature, you know, make up this creature, but it's not that way. Sorry, that's kind of a long-winded answer. (laughs) But to me, it's super fascinating because it, because it goes back that far. um, And then there's people who have had, who have these sightings from then now, you know, 150 years of people having these sightings and, and it's at a point where it's really, um, it really is part of the culture of the lake town up there. And it's really kind of embedded into, um, a lot of the restaurants and the shops and that kind of thing. And so that, all of that is just, to me is super fascinating. Um, are there still like, uh, sightings these days i always wonder about that because with smartphones oh sure (laughs) yeah um so ever since i've been kind of trying to promote this and get this off the ground people have said oh i've you know i've had these sightings or i know people who have said they've seen this and that nothing really official Mm -hmm. um if you if you go to the wikipedia page there was a sighting that somebody had reported um, maybe 10 years ago. But if you do a quick Google search on the, the name of the guy who, who had claimed, who made this claim, he's an owner of a business up there that rents water sports equipment. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like, and he, and his reported sighting was at the, at the beginning of the summer. And it's like, obviously this guy's just trying to drive some traffic some up that way. <laughs> So I, I don't really take it that, that that seriously, but it's it's interesting how many people will say, yeah, my dad or my cousin or my so and so, you know, they swear they've seen it. So that's interesting. It doesn't sound like you're a believer uh, in the Bear Lake monster yourself, but are you a follower or believer of any other maybe uh, cryptozoology at all? Any other creatures? You know, I, I just like the unknown. I'm, um, and I wouldn't even say that I'm necessarily not a believer. I'm more like, well, we just don't know. Um, what's interesting about the Bear Lake, about Bear Lake is that it's this, it's a freshwater lake that was created by, um, you know, thousands of years ago, shifting tectonic plates that moved and, created this it's a really deep lake and and the plates that are under the lake continue to move and so the bottom keeps going further and further down over the over the years and it's some i mean i think i heard that they've never actually been able to to see the bottom of the lake it would take like a james cameron voyage to get down there (laughs) and so it's like to me what's exciting is 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 just nobody really knows and some people say, well, you know, maybe something from the prehistoric era has just survived that long. I, I just like the unknown. I'm, I'm not one to say like, well, I don't think it exists because I like to, I don't know, keep it, keep it a kind of a mystery. But I'm trying to think of any others. I mean, you know, I find Sasquatch pretty fascinating too. I, I know that's kind of a, you know, one that everyone says, but 
Um, you know, people claim to see have these Sasquatch sightings even here in Utah. So, yeah. So, so you said the lake is what two hours away from you. What what was it like in growing up so close to a, a famous lake monster? And and actually, I, I watched the the Kickstarter video. You got a lot of really interesting like photos of some of the shops and stuff. How you mentioned how it's part of the culture there. Can you maybe shed some more light on what you mean by that and, and how much influence it's it's had on the lake itself? Yeah, you know, I think it's really driven the a lot of tourism and really helped the economy of that area. Um, what's actually really kind of interesting too is that I didn't grow up going to that lake. It took you know, meeting my wife and, and it was a family tradition of hers that I actually um, first started going up there. And, uh, it's just such a beautiful, beautiful lake. If you compare it to like some of the other lakes around here, it's, it's, it's above and beyond more, way more beautiful, even than the, than the great salt lake. And so, um, I, I think I had heard of the Bear Lake monster growing up, but I didn't just in passing, I had never really like looked into it or studied it. And so it wasn't until I was, you know, in my late twenties that I actually really dove into that. But, uh, the, you know, there's with the culture up there, it's funny. They, so they have, they have a festival every year called raspberry days. Cause they're, that area is known for, um, the raspberry harvests. And if you go up, it's like a three or four day festival with, um, you know, like cr a craft fair and live music and, you know, food vendors and they have this parade and they'll have this, um, a monster float with all these kids dressed up and the float says like the real bear Lake monsters, you know, kind of a play on that with the kids and yeah, so it's, it really is part of that culture, um, that I think, I think it drives tourism there. And I think it's, it just that mystery. I mean, I think a lot of, especially kids really like those stories of, of what could be. And then when, you know, those kids grow up and they tell their kids and it just is this perpetual thing that, uh, that really, really kind of builds that area. Does that answer your question? Yeah, definitely. It's, um, it's just, it's, it's such a unique thing that I think only, you know, a few towns have their own resident monster, you know? Um, yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Uh, is that something that, well, I, I guess you, you said you didn't start going there until a little bit later in life, but, uh, um, I know that you have, I think five kids. Is that what it said in your yeah, little bio? Yeah. I've yeah. I, I and obviously kids are, I mean, I was one of them. Kids are super into that, but like, is that something that, is there a little bit of something about it that maybe scares them? Are they afraid of it at all or? Yeah, you know, that's funny too. It's it's it, people have reached out to me and said, you know, if if my kids watch this film, are they going to be scared to go on the lake afterwards? Um and so that's kind of like with with writing the script, that's something that I've had to really find that line of making something scary. You know, it's kind of like jaws. It's like 
you want to make this terrifying creature and you want to build suspense and, you know, make an interesting film, but yet you don't want to like terrify these kids so much that they're not going to want to go in the water right. and, and enjoy the area. And so it's kind of like finding that fine line, but I think, I don't know. I, you know, a lot of fan, it's, it's really big amongst even my kids for sure. Um, they just, they, you know, you can, I think we found a, an illustrated book up there once that kind of takes a more kind of comedic route with the monster and where it kind of, it's everyone's friend and that kind of thing. So there's, there's some different approaches to it for sure. And so far as I, as far as I know, you know, it's just really beloved by the majority of kids up there. Yeah. And I mean, I, I think there is a little bit in, in not only this concept, but just in general, I think kids kind of like to be a little bit freaked out, not any, not traumatized, but like when I was little and I was watching, you know, I don't know when I, if, when I watched like, something like, I don't know, like Gremlins or something at five, like, I loved it, but then, like, at bedtime, there was always a little bit of that, like, <laughs> you know, I, I need to turn off the light and, like, jump into the bed <laughs> kind of yeah. thing, you know, and, yeah. and, and, you know, it's not until you reflect on that a little bit that it, you kind of realize, like, eh, it was kind of fun, um, but that also kind of ties into uh, the next question, kind of what I alluded to earlier, like, um, I, I like, I have some friends that are like knee deep into like the cryptozoology stuff. And I always ask like, you know, how did smartphones just not kill that entire, I don't know what you want to call it, pseudoscience or, or whatever. Uh -huh. How how did smartphones just not destroy it? Because if, it, if there were anything, destroy it. Yeah, yeah. You would think someone would have a definitive picture of a, a Sasquatch or uh, a lake monster yeah. or something. And, and I, and um, the answer I usually get is um, that, you know, it, it's become now it's more of kind of what you were saying and that it's more just something that is fun to think about, you know, kind of like the X files, like I want to believe kind of thing. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. You know, I, I was actually talking to my wife the other day and she's like, well, you know, people don't really, I don't think people really think that there's something out there. And I'm like, well, that, that's not the point though. You know, the point is, is there something could be out there and it's that drives, you know, adrenaline and that, you know, that for kids, like you say, like running and jumping in your bed, you know, having a little bit of that fear just makes things a lot more interesting I think it's and, good for the imagination know. too. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And as I think back to my childhood as well, you know, I, I grew up two blocks away from the foothills of the Wasatch mountains. And there was, there was a story that was going around that there was a, this kind of troll creature living in this abandoned bus in the mountains. And <laughs> it was kind of terrifying but it was really fascinating, and it and it it didn't keep me away from hiking and exploring the mountains as a kid. Um, it just, I I feel like it just made things a lot more interesting. And I think kids are tough, and and for the most part, they like that kind of stuff. Yeah, and there yeah. there is there is a there's always a there. I, I've always said that like. 
I I think that there's a there's probably more good kids horror movies than people think. Like uh like in and and I mean something like Gremlins or uh you know Monster Squad or uh-huh. you know things like that where they're kid friendly but the the horror part is still kind of freaky. You know it, it's not completely soft there's a little bit of a a, an edge to it still and um yeah i've always said like kids need more good horror movies like that you know you don't have to go completely soft on them but like give them enough to like you know really get their their brains going oh absolutely yeah yeah we can't cater we can't cater to everything for them if we want them, you know, to grow up with good imaginations. And, um, I mean, I think some of that's necessary. I don't know why, but I just thought of Harry and the Hendersons when you said that. Yeah. Yeah. That That's actually one. Um, I have a, a five-year-old daughter and like, she loves Harry and the Hendersons and like, we'll watch it for bedtime sometimes. And, oh, every, nice. and every yeah. now and then she'll even say like, I'm scared at this part. And then I'll have to say like, well, this is just how this scene is shot. Because, uh, you know, they, they don't want the audience to know that Harry's friendly yet. But And I'll have to say, like, you've seen the movie. You know that he's nice and, like, and stuff like that. But but I also yeah. feel like it's really kind of, it's really kind of getting the motor in in her little brain, like, kind of fired up. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's interesting. So so of all the the subject matter you could pick and you're doing a Kickstarter for this but why why this subject why this movie You know it's it's mainly because I felt like that maybe the the audience out there is big enough and you know I still have a little I still have quite a ways to go with my Kickstarter and and you know even if if it's unsuccessful I'm going to pursue um traditional well, well now i mean I, I you i doubt you knew <laughs> when when you were <laughs> planning to do a kickstarter that we would have a global pandemic you know but yeah, yeah. now oh, now man. is you know now yeah. is uh is is a strange time for everyone but yeah especially like people with kickstarter projects you know i mean it's it's just you know there's probably a lot of people right now that might not be able to donate that might be able to later like the timing is really weird yeah, you know, and I actually was going to was going to um release my Kickstarter 2 months ago and and literally like I'm gearing up to do it and COVID hits and and so and and then I even considered waiting a whole nother year um but I did read some articles that said that crowdfunding wasn't seeing any sort of hit and so and so I don't know if if there's validity to that or what but um it, it definitely is a, a strange time. And even the, you know, the first two weeks of, of this release has been more on the riots and all of that stuff on top of everything. And so it's very likely that the, that the Kickstarter may not be successful, but, um, there's, I, I know that the audience is there. And a lot of times that's kind of what you have to look for is, is there a niche audience that can embrace something like this? And, uh, and if so, then it's. I feel like it's worth making. Um, you know, if I was to make a personal project on some some random story, I don't know if I could be able to get, you know, enough fans attached. You have to really 
I just felt like the Bear Lake Monster is something that's that a lot of people are, especially around here, just kind of have that common um, interest in. And so many people go up there and vacation. And, you know, when you take your family up there or if you go with friends, there's, you know, all those feel goods of of spending that quality time. And and for a lot of people, it's it's, it's their summer tradition to 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 go and I don't know it's and so I kind of felt like there's kind of that emotion there there's the there's the I felt like it was a good recipe for a pro it's a good recipe for a project because because of that um yeah so um as far as like I guess the actual story you know plot line what what can you uh I mean obviously it's about lake monster but but what what can you tell us about the actual um, you know, the story, the, the script and all that. Yeah, definitely. So like I said earlier, like, or I think I said earlier that it's, I tell people it's kind of a mix of the Goonies and Jaws, but it's a, it's a, um, action adventure about a group of teens that, um, try to prove that it exists. And like, yeah, I like, I don't want to give away too much, but, um, it's about these two teenage girls who have a YouTube channel um, that's not doing too well. And it basically, they kind of stumble upon they they're digging, they're digging in the, in the sand, um, trying to find something with the metal detector. And they, they come across this tooth and, uh, it kind of like sets them on this journey of, of, is this from the bear Lake monster or not? And so they're kind of even skeptical in the beginning but uh, they take their kind of YouTube channel along with them and they explore kind of as they go. And without revealing too much, they uh, the the journey kind of finds them and a lot of things happen. I don't know. I don't know how much to tell, really. And they also acquire other um, like-minded teens along the way. And so by the end it's kind of a bigger group of kids but you know kind of like the goonies a little bit um it's definitely inspired by the goonies but uh, i just feel like i don't know like there has to be that certain age where it still seems plausible to where they they have that motivation to prove like is it really real so I just felt like I don't think it would would have it would work with adults, um, but they have to be old enough to you know be able to drive and and push excuse me push the story on that in that manner, I guess. Um, Sorry, I mumble a lot. Oh yeah, no, you're fine. Uh, <laughs> um, so you mentioned uh, part of it is they they find a tooth. I have to ask. It might, maybe it's a coincidence, but. Uh, um, the uh there was a novel called the lock written by uh steve alton who wrote the meg um which you know they did the yeah and and uh that just reminded me like before that book came out like there were these teenagers who uh said they found a, a tooth in the body of a deer near near the shore of loch ness and um and uh, they published it on this website, and it turned out that it was like, a, well, this was like around two, 2005, so it was 
It was like a. It was like. It was basically a publicity stunt, like viral marketing for that novel. I was wondering if oh, that was okay. something you knew about, or if you know it was just a coincidence. But no, no, I'm gonna have to. I'll have to look that up. Um, I had, I had no idea. So it, it ended up being just a farce. Like yeah, yeah, no... yeah. It was just like. <laughs> I mean, it, yeah, it was just you know to be like, oh hey, you know, it was it was all just publicity for this this book. But that's what that reminded me of um yeah you know you know what's interesting that there is an actual story up at bear lake where there's a lot of underground kind of caverns and areas and someone they did explore one and find the skeletal remains of a cow underground like underwater in this and that's kind of what's helped propel this mystery as well Hmm. is um so i don't know if a cow you know, like got in the water and died and the, but, but it's, it was it definitely interesting enough to point out that, you know, did something grab this cow and bring it underwater? Um, interesting. we've mentioned a couple times, you know, the log line, the, it's right there in the Kickstarter, you know, the Junie's, uh, the Junie's, Goonie's Jaws, uh, <laughs> yeah, they, you, you could just say that, it's the two titles put together, um, <laughs> Goonie's and Jaws, uh, kind of, um, uh hybrid but and but besides those two movies are there any any other films or directors that you drew influence on for specifically for this project i know we it just in casual terms we talked about tremors and um Uh and you know indiana jones but like for this movie specifically is there anything else that um you know you have in mind when you're like i i'm kind of going for something like this you know, I mean, I've always been inspired by Peter Jackson and The Lord of the Rings. Mm-hmm. And have you seen his just, early movies? You know, I have. I haven't seen anything before. Oh, oh man, uh, yeah, they, Dead uh, Alive. Go watch Dead Alive. Yeah, right I. Dead Alive. <laughs> okay. Yeah, um, that's like. Uh, well, especially. Well, I. I think especially as another low budget filmmaker, like he w- he was making movies in his backyard, like these low budget zombie movies that became these cult classics and um that was before oh, lord really? of the Rings. Okay. yeah so so like i i mean if you're familiar with stuff like evil dead 2 you know or like think think like that like dead alive is is basically a looney tunes cartoon with zombies it's just this oh really yeah this okay. slapstick comedic hyper gory but like the gore is all very like cartoony yeah Yeah, you know um for a while it had the guinness record for the most fake blood in a in a in a film um yeah but that's a favorite and then the one that he did before that was called bad taste and that was like he made it when he was like in his 20s over the course of like a decade and like he he you know was using his mom's oven to make the the monster masks and so yeah if you go if look at yeah look at his like pre um lord of the rings work and like it, it it's really a good example of what someone can just do with ingenuity and a few bucks. Cause like, he, yeah. you know, um, and if you, if you're like I said, I mean, I think the, the comparison a lot of people made, especially back in the day was he was like, uh, a New Zealand's version of Sam Raimi and evil dead and stuff like that. Okay. So, but yeah, no, I, I definitely think they're a little harder to find now. Cause I think, um, 
you can probably no, ask. yeah you, you can I, I guarantee you can probably find some of them on streaming services but uh i know that one of the things he's been doing uh over the last like two years is like meticulously going back and like doing these like 4k scans of the negatives and oh, stuff really? for okay. a blue so that's why they're not on blu-ray yet is because he's personally overseeing them to make uh-huh. sure they they are perfect basically but um it, you know it's taking a while but you know one i mean it'll be worth it the his his early films especially if you li- like just like goofy gory like yeah. horror oh, horror comedies that. like um uh-huh. yeah that that'll be right up your alley um i can see if yeah. they're streaming anywhere and maybe just kind of email you where you can see them but i i think actually oh, um one of the because uh dead alive's one that came up on uh with a an author friend of ours that was on the show that he hadn't seen and at the time it was just like chilling on youtube like um that's the thing about some of these older movies that aren't really on blu-ray or whatever yet is like they're a lot some of them wind up on youtube i'm sure whenever he gets his blu-ray version out i'm sure someone's gonna you know, make sure those get pulled down. But for the time uh, being, you might be able to find them. I'll, I'll have to double check for you. But uh, hey, if you come across them, definitely, yeah, yeah, send me a link or something. Yeah. So, do they have like with? I mean, with Lord of the Rings, obviously, he had a lot more money and really was able to kind of build that that just epic feel for these films. You know, the epic nature of that journey and everything. Does that? Does his earlier work? still kind of communicate that or is it um i it's 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 like night and day but i would say there are things that you can definitely tell like i mean when especially the camera work i mean you it's you can recognize his the way he likes to shoot from you know his old backyard movies all the way through oh really yeah king kong you know just different kinds of zooms um and thing things like that they show up in lord of the rings king kong the hobbit um oh and, and uh if you're a fan there's there is a dead alive easter egg in uh king kong also <laughs> oh, um, really? yeah like um on the on the ship the when they're going to skull island uh in dead alive the thing that causes the zombie outbreak is this like rat monkey creature and at the beginning of the movie it actually opens on skull island and it shows these like colonists taking this creature and bringing it to new zealand and uh yeah in the background of uh his king kong one of the crates has the name of that little monkey creature on it oh does it yeah really? so uh so yeah no it's really playful like stuff uh yeah uh, but yeah you you can you can definitely tell where i mean it's not this like sprawling epic like lord of the rings but you can see where especially in like how he has depicts the orcs and you know you can see a lot of his horror roots um you know come out in it just like you know if you when you watch um you know sam raimi's spider-man movies you can tell just in the aesthetics like oh that's the evil dead guy yeah (laughs) yeah i'm actually uh looking on youtube and both dead alive and bad taste are actually on there. All right, well, oh, really awesome. like MHD, so we'll have to, fun. yeah, we'll have to get those links to Brandon. Um, but yeah, I yeah. mean, I and, would love to just watch his films in order and and look for that kind of those similarities in his style. Yeah, like, that's always that's a fun thing to do. To me. Too. Yeah, they. Um, 
you know, uh, it, it's one of the, like I'm I'm not that old. I'm I'm almost I'll be 35 soon. But uh, I'm one of the few people that I like know that like when I was like in like middle school and high school. That's when I was like really eating up like the 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 B movies and renting them on VHS week after week after week. That's when I first saw like Evil Dead and. Oh, okay. You know, Texas Chainsaw yeah. Massacre. So I actually remember when uh, they said Peter Jackson was going to do Lord of the Rings. And I, I I, was legitimately thinking, like, who thought of that? <laughs> like, oh, really? it, yeah, like, it, it was it was insane. Like, uh, um, like the closest thing I can co- think of as a comparison is James Gunn who did the Guardians of the Galaxy movies, and, like, before that, he was doing, like, Slither and, uh, you know, these, like, yeah. horror films. And, but before that, he was at, at Troma, who do, like, all the, like, <laughs> Toxic Avenger and, and all that stuff. So, like, that, there's not a whole lot of people that, like, jump from such a tiny little jump low up. budget yeah. all the way up to, like, you know, Peter Jackson is... in up there with like Spielberg and Christopher Nolan as far as like oh, yeah. household name directors. Like ask someone who's not even into film to name some directors and you know, they might know five names and that, you know, that'll be one of them. So. Oh yeah. Well, that's impressive that you knew who, you know, I mean, I don't think I would have been able to tell, like say who, who he even was when his name was announced for those, for the Lord of the Rings. Um, yeah, there's a, yeah, there's like six of us. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, getting back to your movie, I and I mean Goonies and Jaws right there kind of gives me an idea, but what kind of tone are you going for overall? Are you looking to really kind of blend more comedic things with um, you know, the 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 more serious kind of, you know, horror monster movie elements? Yeah, that's that's the hope that that the it's a serious the subject matter is the serious tone yet you know there's some hopefully some funny lines that you know like like goonies especially that uh you know their their quest is very serious that but yet it's just filled full of i mean i don't know if mine would be necessarily nearly as funny as the goonies but there's that hope i mean i think you pretty much pegged it like there's that hope that there will be some comedic relief and some funny elements to it as well. But for the most part, um, yeah, definitely more serious. Um, yeah. So this being a, a monster movie, do you have any favorite monster films or just movie monsters in general? Um, I, I love King Kong. I love... Um, just the classic stuff, Godzilla. Um, now, I, my film's not going to have the monster like leave the lake and trash the town or anything. <laughs> it would actually be kind of cool, but uh, save that for the sequel when you have yeah, you know a little exactly. more money, you know. Oh yeah, yeah, <laughs> definitely more money for sure. Make some miniatures of the town and everything, but no. Um, yeah, you know, just the classics, and then I loved the first Tremors. I don't, I haven't seen any of the sequels, but, um, but like I was saying earlier, yeah, I love. Watch the, stick with the first two, 
yeah, we just yeah, watched we all call. six of them. We <laughs> oh, just really? did, yeah, we just did like a big Tremors podcast, and for me, it was the first time seeing mo- the sequels. And like, I don't know, it's not like I hate them and they're all terrible. It's just like the first two are the ones that I could see myself going back to more and more. And yeah. well, those are also yeah. the two that I saw as a kid. But even even now, I think those are the two that hold up. The, yeah, the first, okay. the first so the three second are one's not bad. Second and yeah. third are okay. Everything after is like not really good. It starts <laughs> to just get into where it's like you're watching the same movie over and over again kind of thing. Oh, I bet. Yeah. You know what's funny is this last Christmas I was watching a Hallmark movie with my wife, and there's this this guy who plays like a hotel concierge or whatever, like a hotel a guy at the desk. And I'm like, that guy looks really familiar. And I'm trying to think of his name in in Tremors. I think it was Bert. Who's the guy? Michael Gross. The he's the gun guy, the gun nut. Yeah, yeah. And I'm like, he would. It was just crazy to see him, and and he's this super nice kind of cheesy guy. And it was just such a a shift from. And he's like <laughs> one of my favorite characters in Tremors. Oh yeah, yeah. It's funny and you it mentioned that because. Again, I hopefully I'm not dating myself too hard, but um uh when he when he made Tremors, that was like he was like breaking type for that role cuz he was really famous for being the dad on the sitcom uh Growing Pains. Oh, that's right. He yeah. Was yeah, so, yeah, yeah, so yeah, so like so when he was Bert, it was like, "Oh, wow, you know, this whole the wholesome dad guy is this like foul-mouthed gun freak." Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's funny. I think is he the only one too that has actually stayed with the sequels as well? Yeah, um, he's in all of them, and then uh, yeah. he's even in the one that's a prequel set in the old west. <laughs> so oh, he, a prequel? yeah, that's the fourth one. It's like the it's like the t- basically the how the town is founded and you know and yeah that one's like in the old west and he's like the ancestor of that character but yeah he's okay. in all six and uh oh, wow. fred ward who plays uh matt is it earl yeah that's yeah not... oh by the way real, real quick bird you said growing pains you meant family ties see okay kind of even i even i i don't know my sitcoms i, mean, I haven't yeah, seen since kind of... <laughs> yeah um... oh family ties was uh was, yeah, Growing Pains was um, what's his name? Alan Thick. Yeah. Okay, I, I I got it straight now. Um, but yeah, uh, Fred Ward who plays Earl is in the second one, and then after that it's just Michael Gross returning. Although they did film a pilot for a TV series that had Kevin Bacon coming back. Oh, he um, came back really. Yeah, it was it was a pilot for a show that was going to be on Sci-Fi uh maybe 2 or 3 years ago and it never got picked up for whatever reason. Um and uh so and and for some reason that episode is still like not anywhere. It hasn't leaked. It hasn't been uh, you can't put find on it. Yeah, there there is a trailer though for it. So you, in the trailer you can see, you know, some of what they were going for and you know, you get to see Kevin Bacon um you know, he was going to star in this series, which is even crazier that it didn't get picked up, and they're still making these the direct-to-video sequels. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, uh-huh. what? Speaking, you know, just get back to the movie for a second. What? What can you tell us about 
the the creature itself and and the actual design how did you come up with it and then are there any specific methods you're going to be using to to make the monster come to life you know for the most part it's going to be it's going to be cgi for sure um and i don't know if if you if you go to the kickstarter the concept art that we've worked on so far is is on the the homepage of the kickstarter but it's um you know, it's kind of described as kind of having like an alligator type face or head where it's kind of gets more narrow towards the nose. And it's this really kind of almost kind of a lizard like creature. Um, and there there are if you look through the depictions of the sightings, there there is some definitely some variation and different um, de- depictions that kind of probably contradict each other. But um it's definitely this kind of aquatic lizard type um but i you know honestly i haven't been able to dive too deep yet just and trying to raise this money but for the most part um it's going to be cgi and and the the people that i'm going to have do it hopefully is have you guys heard of the mythica series mm, i have not no I've yeah. heard of it. I don't know. I don't know a ton about it. It's um, kind of these lower budget uh, films that were shot here in Utah, and that's that's kind of a side of it. I haven't been able to approach too much yet, and mainly, yeah, just because of of not having my budget yet and my funding yet. So I've only really worked with just kind of like a um, an illustrator to come up with that for those first designs, and then hopefully when when that funding, if I can get it to come through, then I can really dive deeper into that that aspect of it, which is I really look forward to. Um, but until until I can pay people to work on stuff, you know, it's hard <laughs> right. together. Um. So, uh, what what was was there anything behind the decision to do a CG for the creature? Um. Mainly just budgetary. Um. And that's when you see the the creature, you know, there's, there's without giving away too much, there's um, other elements where the creature's around, but you don't actually see it where it affects the water around people or, you know. Yeah. You have that little proof of concept clip on the Kickstarter page that is kind of, you don't see anything, but you see uh, the rope and the little. Yeah. 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 The, like, a little bell and stuff and that's actually that's the funny thing about that little teaser is that's based on um a true story that uh um you know i don't know if you've heard of the name brigham young but he's the guy that colonized utah yeah and, and was also the the um one of the mormon prophets but anyway he was really kind of envious of pt barnum at the time who was you know, traveling with his circus. And so he heard about these uh, legend. He heard about the, you know, this creature up there. And so he sent up a, like this 400 foot rope and, and, and had a guy try to capture it. And the guy, you know, tied it off on the bank and tried to bait it with something and nothing ever came of it. But, um, you know, he tried, but that's, yeah, that, for the film, for my film, definitely there's going to be elements 
um you know like when you see jaws you know you don't actually see see the the shark for quite a while and you know throughout the first part of the film but you definitely it definitely has that suspense building and so there's those elements that are going to be more real effects that's important too i mean uh i slow reveals are always best for monsters whether you're looking at like jaws alien the original godzilla like people don't remember all the time really how little you see of those monsters just because they do make such an impact but if you actually go and like if you pay attention next time you watch any of those movies like you really don't see them very much at all yeah and and that's great when you when you're a small little indie you know don't have a lot of budget yeah that for sure that works in your favor for sure and so it's a formula that i'm definitely gonna gonna have to use um i mean i i would consider i don't know when it's underwater and that's that's a hard one to try to wrap my brain around without doing it cgi Mm -hmm. because um yeah that's still another road i have to cross i have to go down um hopefully when i get my budget so so obviously you're you're in the middle of of the funding process is there anything you can tell us about the ideas for the for the cast and crew i think you you there's a production company I think that's listed in the Kickstarter. I don't remember the name of it, but is there anybody that or anything you can tell us about them and anybody in mind that you have for for casting? Yeah, you know the the production company is is um, one that I've worked with and actually edited cut you know cut films for in the past, and uh, some guys that I've just known for years and have worked with and know that they can kind of pull that thing that kind of stuff off, but. Um, as far as cast goes, you know, it's, you know, when, when you're on this kind of a shoestring budget, it's not going to be anyone, anyone that you guys would have heard of. Um, you know, maybe the lead, which, um, I, which I don't have yet, but it, it's kind of a weird conundrum because when you're trying to raise money and do a Kickstarter, you have, you speak of this project as it, this film as if it, it exists, but yet it doesn't exist yet. And, and so you have to get people on board. And, and so I've been kind of hesitant to like really approach other industry professionals yet, just because like, I want to not just be like a talker. I want to be someone who, who, you know, there's a lot of talk in the industry. You want to be able to show them something. Yeah. Or I want to like be able to, you know, like have the budget, ready to go so that I can, so that I can, you know, pay people what they're worth and what, and for their time. And so until that funding comes in, it's like, well, it's just a good idea. Um, and so there's, you know, there's people that I want to attach to the project, but, um, until like they say, until the money hits the bank, it's kind of, (laughs) I don't know. So there's, yeah, like, but even, you know, a lot of the cast is going to be, you know, Utah industry people that no, you know, nobody, I just don't know if I'm going to have the budget to be able to bring somebody in from, you know, maybe even from LA or anybody that's notable or that you guys would have heard of. So it's that, it's kind of of that caliber. I don't know if that's a bummer or not, but. No, I mean, uh, for indie stuff, I mean. 
you know, you're not going to get, you know, Robert Downey Jr., you know? <laughs> we we understand that, you know? I mean, yeah. mo- I mean, like I said, I'm like an old-school, low-budget horror guy. Most of my favorite movies have people who are just lo- <laughs> local people they could get, you know? Yeah. Um, There's something fascinating about that to me. I don't know. Uh, yeah, yeah. I, I, I mean... It, but, you know, I don't know, maybe you'll give us, like, the next Bruce Campbell or something. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah. So, uh, I guess in terms of budget, uh, getting your budget together, you know, what what made you decide to, to do um, uh, a Kickstarter? I know you said that, you know, you just want to be able to get it in the hands of the interested parties is that was that just kind of the primary motivation behind it yeah you know for the most part and and you know raising money in the traditional means of you know finding investors and presenting business plans and stuff that's a hard that's a really hard road to go down and you know that's kind of a whole different animal and so when you you know when you do a kickstarter it's like, well, you know, can you, it's almost like pre-sales, like you're pre-selling a, an album or a, a movie. It's like, if you can cut out that middleman of, you know, the investor, because, you know, quite honestly, these low budget films, they're hard, they're very hard to create a return um, where, you know, where you have an investor who's their primary goal is to, to try to increase that, you know, their their return on investment. And so it's, you have to be very practical about these low budget films. I mean, if you look at the number of films that are submitted to Sundance every year, there's thousands and thousands of feature films that probably just never see the light of day because, you know, because it's so competitive out there and, you know, every once in a while, a good film will poke through and, and make, you know, make waves like have you heard of napoleon have you guys seen napoleon mm-hmm. dynamite yeah, yeah yeah of course yeah that's like you know that was 15 years ago and that's kind of the only one from the local area that's actually kind of made it and kind of the inspiration for a lot of people around here but you know it's it's kind of hard to talk a big game to an investor when you know there's very likely that they might not see any money back or very very little money and so the business side of it, that's hard. That's, that's a challenge. And, and so the, the way, the reason that crowdfunding is so interesting, at least to me, and, and that I'm hoping that it'll work is because you're just, you know, yeah, just teaming up the interested party with the creatives. And, and uh, if you can cut that out, that's, that's a huge benefit. Um, and then, you know, like people are passionate about it and if you can get them involved and and everybody, you know, has this love for this monster or that area, to me that that's, has a huge benefit. Well, tell us a bit, a bit more about Kickstarter. What's, what's the end goal in terms of dollars? And can you maybe talk about the kinds of perks that people would actually receive if the goal is met? Yeah, definitely. Um, so I'm shooting for 250000 which which when I run the numbers, it's like, there's a, I mean, you, you, there are people who have been, been able to pull off feature films for a lot less, but when, when I looked at how to do it 
not only ethically but like properly um when you're you know when you're involving the water and um you know there's a lot that could go poorly i guess you i should say you know there's there's just potential for a lot to go wrong and so there's you know you have to like you have to do it right and you have to do it with the permits and when you have the you know the federal government owns some of the the land and you know you want to do it right because you don't want to get yourself into too much trouble and so when i kind of like looked at those numbers and said how much can i what's the cheapest amount that we could pull it off where nobody's working for free and nobody's um really taxed or there's you know cuz you know you got to hire you know like a safety coordinator to make sure that that everything you're doing is is going to be proper and not put any lives in danger. Um, so it, it's quite a bit of money, but it's also super, super low budget in, in regards to films that are made that come out of Hollywood, obviously. But um, as far as the perks go, you know, like almost with every donation level comes the film because, you know, that's the main intent. But there's other fun ways that I'm, I've tried to involve the people, the community around this area, you know, there's a few, like a lot of people take um, like formal family portraits up at Bear Lake and, you know, throw them on their wall. And so there's, there's like two or three opportunities to have those in the film itself, just as kind of as part of the flavoring of, you know, the B roll. Um, So I've identified a couple areas in the script where, their family photo could be seen, but for the most part, they, you can also pay to have your either formal or even, um, informal family photos, you know, like casual photos or whatever you, uh, whatever you call it, like in the, in the rolling credits next to the credits. Um, so that, sorry, I'm mumbling here, but, (laughs) um, yeah, like, uh, you know, just if you have a photo of you and your buddy, you know, on a jet ski and you could totally throw it in the throw it in the film in the <laughs> credits. But uh, and then also local businesses, there's a two or three scenes that I have that um, could be placed in. Diff- you know, I, I opened it up to kind of business owners that that they could have one of these scenes shot in their in their business, whether it be like a boutique or a rental, like a jet ski rental house or a restaurant, there's some awesome cool little restaurants up there. And so those, that's another, um, reward that a business could use as kind of an advertising platform. Sweet. Yeah. Um, so I know, you know, you're still getting the, your budget together. So, I mean, how far into the production are you? Obviously, very early stages. Is it mostly just, you know, working on things like concept art and, you know, uh, you know, tightening up the script at the moment? Yeah, you know, the script, um, I'm going through one last revision for now on the script. And and there's been some pre-production type work with the director of photography is a, is a buddy of mine that we work very closely together. And so a lot of these conversations are happening about stylistically how to do it um 
but yeah, um, a lot of it's just kind of waiting on if the budget comes through and then, um, then where you can, I'm actually, cause the Kickstarter ends in early July and if the Kickstarter happens, then we can shoot, uh, first two weeks of September. And so it's kind of like a lot of it's kind of just me, a one man band really, um, kind of developing the look and feel of it now so that when funding comes through, I can pull the trigger and then pull all these people in and, uh, get them, you know, get the vision to them. And for the most part, um, shoot at least the principal stuff. And yeah, like there, I mean, the biggest, I think obstacle would be the, the set design pieces that would need to be built. Um, but there's some flu there's, you know, there's some flexibility there where they can be shot, um, with a second unit down the road, you know, in the fall. But so it's really set up that the majority of the film with the main cast and crew, you know, can be shot over a, a three week period of time and end of August, early September. Awesome. Um, so we're kind of, we're wrapping up the, uh, the episode right now, but, um, last couple questions. One is what advice would you give to any young person trying to get into the industry? Anything that you could tips or pointers? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think for, for me, the only time that my career has ever, um, I could feel a shift in my career moving forward is when I've stuck my neck out there and uh, just put a project out there and, and got it made. Um, like you have to just create, you have to keep creating um, and you have to be the driving force behind those creations. Like um, nobody else is going to do it for you. Um, you know, you just have to really make it happen. There's a lot of people that kind of, kind of wait for things to happen or, or wait for the perfect opportunity or the perfect time. And that it's rarely perfect or happens the way that you think it's going to happen. Um, you just have to, to stick your neck out there and, and just go for it and just use what, what you have at the time and the resources that you can, that you can pull together to make something um, to just keep making, I don't know, like there's been times that are like lulls in my, in my own career where it's, I'm just, you know, working on other people's projects and helping other people. And that's important too, to, 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 you know, lend a hand to other people. But the only time that things have really progressed for me is when, um, you know, I've been the one to really, put that you know take that leap of faith into a project where i don't know what's going to happen in the end but you just keep on plugging away no i think that's that's great advice and actually we had um uh, steve wang on here the creature designer and he's worked on like everything under the sun but uh-huh. he, he basically said word for word what you did you just gotta <laughs> put yourself out there so i think it's a great answer oh nice uh, well yeah maybe there's something to it <laughs> <laughs> um so Brandon, um, how can people find you? Are you on social media, Twitter? Uh, where can they find your, your, your projects? So, yeah, definitely. Um, if you go to 
the main one is um, for now Kickstarter. If you go to Kickstarter and and uh, search Bear Lake Monster, it'll pop right up. Um, it doesn't have a nice tidy little URL that that I can send people directly to there, at least unless it's in text. But if you have, yeah, you just search Bear Lake Monster, it'll pop up. And then my website is bearlakemonstermovie.com. Um, and that's where you can find out a lot of information. Um, and then I'm on Facebook and Instagram. And my Instagram handle is at bearlake underscore monster movie. So there's a few a few different places that you can find me. And on Facebook, is it under? Uh... It's like Facebook. Uh, the URL. It's just Bear Lake Monster Movie. All right. Yeah. Okay. And, well... and... Oh, go ahead. Oh, so the name of the film itself is The Legend of the Bear Lake Monster, but there's a there's a few like books or other things with that title. Even even I think a Facebook page called legend of the bear lake monster and so i try to kind of con- make that concise and just call it bear lake monster movie just so people can find it okay um well i think that about wraps it up uh i mean uh yeah thank you for for chatting with us uh this was, this hey, was thank you guys. yeah this was fun and uh yeah i'll be sure to get you the those old school peter jackson flicks Seriously, yeah. I mean, I'm probably gonna go watch one on YouTube tonight. Even. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I, <laughs> like that sounds fascinating. Yeah, I well, we have your email. We will, I will, we will send those to you directly. <laughs> awesome. Yeah. Thank you for having me on your show. I really, really appreciate it, and thanks for being interested. So. Yeah. Awesome. Thanks for for giving us all your time tonight. Yeah. Definitely. All right. Well. Uh, Good night, everybody. Thank you for listening to the Kaiju Transmissions podcast. Please take a moment to rate and review us on iTunes, Podbean, and Stitcher. Make sure to subscribe for all the latest episodes. You can also check us out on Twitter at KT underscore podcast. You can check us out on Instagram and Facebook at Kaiju Transmissions. And you can email us at kaijutransmissions at gmail.com if you have any questions or comments. And we will see you next time.